The following podcast is part of a certified educational activity titled Pulling the Plug on Severe Asthma, taking a closer look at an under-recognized biomarker to assess disease severity and tailor treatment. Access the entire activity and complete the post-test at peerview.com forward slash SGZ 860. Downloadable slides and practice aids are also available. Find out how much you know about an under-recognized biomarker in severe asthma through a simple three-step process in this self-assessment activity comprising four questions. First, answer the baseline question to evaluate your knowledge and skills. Next, review the supporting evidence shared by Dr. Monica Tang. Finally, answer the question again to demonstrate what you've learned. Each correct answer automatically counts toward post-test completion, which means that getting your CME credit is fast and easy. Hello, this is Monica Tang from the University of California, San Francisco. Welcome to this educational activity on the role of mucus plugging in severe asthma. I'd like to start with a case. So you have a 54-year-old man with asthma who's on a triple inhaled therapy. He's on fluticasone furoate, an inhaled corticosteroid, eumeclidinium, a long-acting muscarinic antagonist, and volantrol, a long-acting beta agonist. He continues to have daily symptoms of coughing, shortness of breath, wheezing, and chest tightness, and these symptoms wake him up from sleep once per week. He also notices some activity limitations. For example, he has to pause for when walking up inclines or stairs, and he has had four exacerbations requiring prednisone in the past year. So after you examine him, what is your next step? The next step often involves characterization of his asthma. This characterization shows significant airflow obstruction with an FEV1 of 41% predicted and evidence of elevated type 2 inflammation. His absolute eosinophil count is 600 cells per microliter. His total IgE is 200 international units per milliliter, and his exhaled nitric oxide level is 48 parts per billion. Looking back at one of his exacerbations, you uncover a CT chest, which demonstrates airway mucus plugs. How does this change your management? We'll review mucus plugs and come back to this case at the end. So to establish the link between mucus plugs, airway obstruction, and T2 inflammation, we first look at mucus plugging. Mucus plugging in asthma was first identified in the examination of lungs in fatal asthma and acute asthma exacerbations. However, more recently, studies have identified chronic mucus plugging in severe asthma. One of the largest studies of this has been in the NIH-NHLBI's Severe Asthma Research Program, or SARP. SARP is a longitudinal cohort study of children and adults with asthma followed over time. They were able to have radiologists examine CT chest scans for mucus plugs. Mucus plugs were identified in CT slices as discrete areas of opacification within the airway lumen, shown here on the left side of the figure. Each bronchopulmonary segment was then examined for mucus plugs and given a segment score of 0 or 1. These segment scores were added up to generate the mucus score of 0 to 20, shown here on the right. In the SARP-3 data, they found a mucus plug in 85 of the 146 adults with severe asthma, which is about 58%. And this is compared to only one of the 22 healthy controls, which was about 5%. The median mucus score was 3.5, so subjects were divided into three mucus subgroups based on mucus score. Zero for a mucus score of zero, low for a mucus score between 0.5 to 3.5, and high for a mucus score between 4 to 20. 
Shown here is a table one of their characteristics. What you can see is that these patients were generally a little bit older, between their 40s to 50s. There was proportionally more women. They all had an elevated BMI on average. Because these subjects were from a severe asthma study, nearly all of them were on an inhaled steroid. Most of them were on a high-dose inhaled steroid. And overall, 10% were on a systemic corticosteroid. However, you can see that the high mucus score group had evidence of more severe asthma compared to the low or zero mucus score groups. There was a higher proportion, nearly 20%, who are on systemic steroids. The high mucus score group had a lower median ACT score. They had more evidence of severe asthma. There was a higher proportion with severe asthma. They had a lower mean FEV1% predicted. And they had evidence of type 2 inflammation with higher blood eosinophil counts and higher sputum eosinophil percentages and elevated FENO. At the same time, because bronchiectasis and mucus plugging are more common in allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis, or ABPA, the radiologists scored the scans for the presence or absence of bronchiectasis. They defined this as a bronchial arterial ratio of greater than 1.5. On the top left figure, there's a histogram showing the proportion of subjects with bronchiectasis. 80% had no bronchiectasis, which means that only 20% of the subjects with asthma had bronchiectasis. On the top right, we're now looking at the proportion of lung lobes with either bronchiectasis present in red or plugging present in blue. As you look across the different lung lobes, you can see that the prevalence of mucus plugging was four to five times higher than bronchiectasis in each lobe. On the bottom left, we're now looking at those lobes together. On the right are those lobes with bronchiectasis present, and on the left are those lobes with bronchiectasis absent. Most lobes with bronchiectasis have mucus plugging. And then this final part, we're now looking at lobes with bronchiectasis present in the red and bronchiectasis absent in the blue. On the x-axis is lobes with mucus plugging absent on the left and mucus plugging on the right. So if we focus on the right, few lobes with plugging actually have bronchiectasis. Looking at lung function in greater detail, the high mucus score group also showed differences. So here in this figure, you can see the high mucus score group is in the darkest blue, the low is in the light blue, and then the zero subgroup is in the green. The high mucus score group had a lower pre-bronchodilator FEV1% predicted, FVC% predicted, and FEV1 over FVC ratio. And then looking at those with an FEV1 less than 60%, 67% of those have a high mucus plug score. So mucus plugs were negatively correlated with lung function. Looking at type 2 inflammation in more detail, recall that the high mucus score group had higher mean blood and sputum eosinophils. In fact, looking at the correlation of sputum eosinophils on the x-axis and then mucus score on the y-axis, you can see that mucus score was significantly positively correlated with sputum eosinophils. Looking at sputum gene expression, the high mucus score group, again in that darkest blue, also had elevated gene expression for type 2 cytokines, IL-13 and IL-5. So mucus plugs were associated with elevated airway type 2 inflammation. Interestingly, this elevation in sputum eosinophils and gene expression of IL-5 and IL-13 persisted in repeat characterization after a dose of IM triamcinolone given in a systemic corticosteroid responsiveness test to all participants. 
These relationships between mucus plugs and asthma outcomes have been replicated in other asthma cohorts. One study done by Svenningsen et al. took 27 adults with severe asthma, and they used CT chests to quantify airway mucus. They also obtained MRIs for ventilation heterogeneity, sputum cytometry and cytokines, and fractional exhaled nitric oxide. They found mucus plugs in 67% of these patients with severe asthma, and they found that high mucus scores were also associated with higher sputum eosinophils, FENO, a type 2 cytokine sputum IL-4, worse airflow obstruction, and air trapping on lung function. In the real-life clinic setting, another study done by Chan et al. was conducted with 126 patients with moderate to severe asthma who had an available high-resolution CT chest in the past year. Logistic regression modeling was used to identify characteristics associated with mucus plugging, adjusting for confounding variables including age, sex, BMI, medication use, nasal pulps, and smoking. They found that there was a 67% higher likelihood of mucus plugs with an impaired FEV1 over FVC. There was an 80% higher likelihood of mucus plugs in those with frequent exacerbations. And there was a 69% higher likelihood of mucus plugs with raised blood eosinophils and IgE. I became involved in looking at what happened to mucus plugs over time. The SARP-3 study had a repeat CT scan done at year three. So another analysis was done with now 165 subjects who had a baseline in year three CT lung scan. One such scan is shown here. In the baseline scan, you can see the mucus plug that's marked with a yellow arrowhead and a nearby blood vessel marked in orange. Looking at that year three scan, this same airway is plugged at year three. When we looked at these subjects and these bronchopulmonary segments over time, we used Sankey plots, which help visually demonstrate the status over time. So on the left, first we're looking on the subject level, 51% of the subjects had a plug at baseline and 56% had a plug at year three. In subjects who had a plug at baseline, 82% of the time, they also had a plug at year three. On the right, you're looking at bronchopulmonary segments, so now 23% of the segments had a plug at baseline, 25% had a plug at year three, and in bronchopulmonary segments with a plug at baseline, 65% of the time, they also had a plug at year three. So mucus plugs tend to persist in the same person and in the same bronchopulmonary segments. We also examined where mucus plugs can occur in the lung, and we compared between different regions of the lung and in all the different bronchopulmonary segments. On the part A of this figure, you can see the comparison of those who had persistent plugs and those who had intermittent plugs, so plugs only present at baseline or year three versus plugs present at baseline and year three. You can see there was no difference in the proportion of these plug statuses comparing the left versus the right lung, but there was an increase in plugs at year three. The lower lobes of the lungs did have a predilection for mucus plugging. But you can see in figure C that mucus plugs could occur in all bronchopulmonary segments, although some, like the right lower lobe posterior and left lower lobe posterior, were favored. A similar distribution of higher mucus plugs in the lower lung segments were also seen in the real-life study done by Chan et al. We also examined how changes in mucus plugs were reflected in lung function and air trapping measures in the longitudinal SARP cohort. We compared changes in mucus score on the x-axis to change in FEV1 on the y-axis and found a negative correlation. So as mucus score increases, FEV1 decreases. 
We also compared change in mucus score to change in percentage of voxels below negative 856 Hounsfield units, which is a global measure of air trapping, and found a positive correlation. So as mucus score increases, air trapping increases. We similarly compared blood and sputum eosinophils and found positive correlations. So as blood and sputum eosinophils increase, mucus score increases as well. So in summary, mucus plugs are common in severe asthma and persist longitudinally. They are associated with airflow obstruction and markers of T2 inflammation. In order to detect the presence of mucus plugs, we first looked at symptoms of cough and sputum production. However, symptoms of cough and sputum production did not correlate with mucus plugs. In the SARP-3 studies, subjects were asked if they have symptoms of chronic mucus hypersecretion, which was defined as cough and sputum production on most days for at least three months a year for at least two consecutive years. Around 60% of subjects in the high mucus score or persistent mucus plug subgroups did not report chronic mucus hypersecretion. Obtaining samples of mucus plugs is also very challenging. Healthy mucus is a balance of water, mucins, other proteins, salts, lipids, and cellular debris, which helps maintain the lung barrier and promotes gas exchange. But the pathogenic mucus in asthma has higher levels of the mucin MUC5AC that can create cross-linked mucus gels that are really sticky and stiff. And obtaining a sample of mucus plugs is challenging because they can't be expectorated via induced sputum and bronchoscopy is invasive, so not currently recommended outside of research settings. Chest CT is the imaging modality of choice for non-invasive assessment of airway anatomy and regional lung mechanics. And as you can see in the picture here on the right, you can visualize and quantify airway mucus plugging as we've now reported in multiple asthma studies. Mucus plugs are also associated with ventilation defects. There have been at least two studies that have identified global and spatial relationships between mucus plugs on CT lung imaging and ventilation measured via functional MRI. However, these ventilation defects aren't specific for mucus plugs, so it wouldn't be the favored screening. So in summary, to detect the presence of mucus plugs in patients with severe asthma, symptoms of cough and sputum production are not absolute. Obtaining samples is very challenging and invasive. Ventilation defects may hint at mucus plugs, but CT chest is the preferred option currently to look for mucus plugs. Unfortunately, mucus plugs persist despite standard asthma therapy. In the longitudinal SARP-3 study, subjects had persistent mucus plugs despite use of inhaled bronchodilators and high-dose inhaled corticosteroids. 20% of the persistent mucus plug group even had plugs despite being on a daily oral corticosteroid at baseline and at year 3. Given the association with type 2 inflammation and in particular eosinophils, patients with the mucus plug phenotype may potentially experience greater treatment response to biologics. This schematic shows all of the biologics currently approved for asthma and their targets. Omalizumab targets IgE or allergy antibody. There are three agents that target IL-5, mepolizumab, resolizumab, and benrolizumab. Mepolizumab and resolizumab target IL-5. Benrolizumab targets the IL-5 receptor, which leads to further eosinophil depletion. Dupilmab targets IL-4 and IL-13, which are type 2 cytokines, and signals production of IgE and eosinophils. Tezapilumab targets TSLP, which is an epithelial alarmin protecting the airway lining and downstream controlling type 2 inflammation. These biologics have already revolutionized severe asthma, but there is emerging data on their role in mucus plugging.
Mepolizumab, that IL-5 antagonist, has shown improvements in mucus plugs in a case series. This case series of eight patients with allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis, or ABPA, were treated with mepolizumab and found improvements in eosinophils, FEV1, and resolution of mucoid impaction on imaging. However, another case report highlighted two patients with ABPA and persistent mucus plugs on mepolizumab that required a change to benralizumab before they had resolution of their mucus plugs. The authors theorized this was due to the better eosinophil depletion in the tissues, with benralizumab being an anti-IL-5 receptor antagonist. So looking at benralizumab, in small studies, there have been improvements in mucus plug scores. In a study of 29 patients treated with benralizumab, mucus score significantly improved at two and a half years, with six out of the eight having dissolution or decrease of mucus plugs. MRI ventilation actually improved at 28 days after a single dose of benralizumab, and that improvement persisted two and a half years later. However, another study looking at patients treated with benralizumab didn't find that baseline mucus plug status was associated with a differential clinical response. This is a limited study because they didn't re-examine mucus plugs at a later time point. However, it does note that future studies are needed. Dupilumab, the anti-IL-4, IL-13 agent, has shown improvements in mucus plugs in one case report. This was a patient with severe eosinophilic asthma who was treated with dupilumab and on imaging, the mucus plugs resolved. Finally, tezepilumab, the anti-TSLP agent, has also been associated with improvements in mucus plugs in a small study. Mucus plug scores decreased in a phase 2 randomized double-blind placebo-controlled study of adults with asthma treated with tezepilumab shown here. That reduction in mucus score was also correlated with improvements in lung function. In fact, many of the asthma biologics are under study for their effects on mucus plugs. Benralizumab has a study ongoing for airway dynamics and severe eosinophilic asthma using functional respiratory imaging. Dupilumab has studies for airway hyperresponsiveness and ventilation heterogeneity, lung function, and related changes in airway volumes detected by functional respiratory imaging, and mucociliary clearance. Tezepilumab has studies for the airway structure and function in patients and reversing airway remodeling. So to review, the clinical implications of using biologic therapy to reduce mucus plugging are mucus plugs occur frequently in severe asthma and are associated with poor clinical outcomes. Although there are no current specific therapies for mucus plugs, ongoing studies show that biologic therapy may be considered in patients who have mucus plug and airflow obstruction. I'd like to bring it back to that original case we talked about with the man who had severe asthma who had mucus plugs. He had uncontrolled symptoms and activity limitations. He was exacerbation prone. He had airflow obstruction and he had evidence of T2 inflammation with peripheral eosinophilia and elevated IgE. This was all despite his therapy on inhaled corticosteroid, long-acting beta agonists, and long-acting muscarinic antagonists. I would strongly consider a biologic to control his severe asthma and anticipate that control of this type 2 inflammation will improve his mucus plugs and airflow obstruction. Thank you for joining. I hope you enjoy this program. This activity is certified by PVI, Peerview Institute for Medical Education. Remember to download the slides and practice aids. Thank you for listening. Download materials and complete the post-test for instant credit at peerview.com forward slash SGZ 860.
This activity is supported by an independent educational grant from AstraZeneca LP.